When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This is the Project Upland Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we're covering the long-awaited arrival of the Project Upland CZUSA Crowdsource Shotgun. My guests and I today are going to talk all about it. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 140. podcast is presented by onyx hunt creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters use the promo code pup20 to save 20 percent on your onyx hunt subscription know where you stand with onyx and by yukonuba premium performance dog food if you want to get the most out of your dog you need nutrition that holds nothing back to help unleash your dog's maximum potential check out the new yukonuba premium performance lineup at yukonubasportydog.com and by CZ USA, shotguns designed with the upland hunter in mind. That statement has never been more fitting than on this episode. We're going to talk all about CZ USA shotguns today, breaking down the new Project Upland CZ USA crowdsource shotgun. I'm going to leave it at that. Plenty more to come on today's show. And by Garmin, makers of high quality GPS, tracking, navigation tools, dog training, electronics, wearables, Garmin watch. Shooting trainers, the Garmin Zero S1. We got a giveaway coming up very soon. More to come from Garmin. They make some of the best stuff. And I've usually got a piece of Garmin gear with me just about everywhere I go. Learn more at Garmin.com. And by Sage and Breaker, makers of gun cleaning products that protect legacies. The legacy of your firearm, the legacy of the sport, and the legacy of passing both down to future generations. 
Sage and Breaker lives, breathes, and makes everything at the highest caliber possible, and they are proud to pass that caliber of craftsmanship on to you. Learn more at sageandbreaker.com. And by Dakota 283 Kennels, unparalleled protection, one-piece rotomold design, frame steel door, and the new Dakota Guard FDA and EPA approved antimicrobial additive that is included in small quantities during the product's production. It's going to protect against a whole bunch of nasty stuff, bacteria that could potentially be in your dog's kennel. And it's just another way that Dakota 283 is committed to keeping your pet safe. Learn more at Dakota283.com. All right, one quick announcement today. If you are a fan of our public grouse film and you love to waterfowl hunt or are interested in waterfowl hunting, I highly encourage you to check out our next feature-length film going on tour this month starting very soon. It's called 2,000 Miles. It's an endless migration film in partnership with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Once again, very similar to the Public Grouse Film Tour we did about a year ago. You can learn all about it at backcountryhunters.org. Look for the 2,000 Miles Film Tour. Check that out. Launching in April, possibly coming to a city near you. All right, as I mentioned our show today is all about the Project Upland CZ USA crowdsourced shotguns. I've had both these guns for a couple of weeks. CZ was kind enough to send me a pair of them, the over-under, the side-by-side. They're beautiful. They've got that upgraded grade 3 wood that the community voted on. I was stoked to see that. These guns are really something to look at, that's for sure. And we're going to break it all down on our episode today with three former guests of the podcast, all of them involved in the project in one way or another, including a recent trip over to the factory where these guns were made, which is pretty cool. We talk a little bit about that today. We talk all about the guns, what you need to know, how you can get your hands on one, and where you can order one when the first shipment is inevitably sold out. We're going to dive into that interview in just a moment, but first, we're headed to the Project Upland Inbox. This week's email comes from Dan. Dan writes in, I was watching the public girls film This weekend, with my daughters, four and six years old, when you mentioned that upland hunting has become a part of your life, I completely understand where you're coming from. I also had the easy way into hunting. I wanted to offer an idea for an article or podcast introducing children to upland hunting. I've been hunting most of my life, and now with two children of my own, I've been trying to figure out the best way to introduce them to hunting. I have not seen many articles or videos on this topic and am looking for suggestions. Good news for Dan. We did not do a full episode on that specific topic, but I just recorded an interview this week where I asked both of the guests about introducing their kids to hunting. So a little bit more to come on that, Dan. Dan continues, also, what is the side-by-side you used in the public grouse film? Did you have two? I noticed the case colored you shot, but I could not tell if you had a second. Good eyes, Dan. I was shooting two guns in that segment of the public grouse film. One of them was a Savage Fox A-grade in 20-gauge. The other was a Connecticut shotgun RBL in 28-gauge. And if you're familiar with those guns, you'll know that they are very, very similar. In fact, they're both made by Connecticut Shotgun. I no longer own the RBL 28-gauge. I kind of miss that thing, but you know how we get with these guns. I sold it to a close friend, so it's still nearby. Thanks for writing into the inbox, Dan. I appreciate it. Project Upland t-shirt headed your way very soon. Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the giveaway. All you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show. Leave the show a rating or a review in your podcast app. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast right into the Project Upland inbox. Tell me a hunting story. Send us some feedback. I love to hear from my listeners. You can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. And with that said, we're going to go straight into our interview today. Let's welcome into the conversation and onto 
the Project Upland podcast, Zach Hine, Joel Pincala, and AJ DeRosa. We're rolling. Project Upland podcast with you again. Fun one this week. Got some big news. Folks have been waiting for this one. We've talked about it a little bit on a couple of previous episodes, but now I think we actually have, uh, well, we've got guns in hands. And we are here to announce the Project Upland CZ USA crowdsource shotgun. We've seen samples. We've got a couple of them here. Of course, the listeners can't see this, but they will soon enough. Actually, as this podcast releases, the listeners will now be able to finally see the Project Upland CZ USA crowdsource shotgun. And I'm here with three of my friends to chat about it. It's going to be a fun one today. Let's go quickly around the horn and introduce yourselves and briefly what you do. Zach, start with you. Sure. So I'm Zach Hine with CZUSA. I'm the marketing communications manager. I've uh, been there for going on nine years. It's been a pretty darn good gig. The dude that made the project possible. Well, there's only one <laughs> cog in the in the team that, that made this happen. So Yeah, yeah. You and the good folks at CZUSA making it happen. So we appreciate that. Joel? Hey, hi. I'm Joel Pacala uh, out of New Jersey here. And... Um, I am the host of a new new podcast in the family of podcasts that are Project Upland podcast called yeah. The Gun Room. And actually, it's big day for me as well because uh, our first episode dropped today on, on Apple and some other places. So I'm um, happy to be here, happy to be a part of it. I actually got the opportunity to check out some of the firearms uh, firsthand, actually, while they were being built. So yeah. I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get more into that as we progress here, but um, happy to be here today. Absolutely, man. Congrats on the first episode. It's March 25th today. And again, that first episode of the Gun Room podcast dropped. I'm really excited to listen to it. And by the time the listeners hear this one, you'll probably have another episode or two out that folks can go check out. Oh, you bet. And last but certainly not least, my buddy AJ. How's it going, man? Hi, AJ. Creative director of Project Upland. I feel like I have nothing. <laughs> these, guys, these guys had everything to say, but I'm just along for the ride for these new shotguns that I'm really stoked about and uh, picked mine up this morning and I was surprised. <laughs> Good. Pleasantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> not that I've like, I I've, I've had a lot of good experience with CZ shotguns. So that's not like, I guess I just was a little taken back because my biggest gripe from day one was that the sharp tail didn't have two triggers. And now all my <laughs> dreams have been answered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two triggers and really <laughs> nice wood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the creative director and founder of Project Upland, I'd say that you uh, you played a, a small role in this ultimately coming to fruition. <laughs> no, I I think you give me too much credit. I was a I was a minor. If anything, I was actually the guy that held stuff out because I didn't re- reply to emails. <laughs> so I may have maybe slowed the process down. <laughs> well, all three of these gentlemen are previous guests on the podcast, and I'm I'm excited to have them all back and. They've all got things to contribute to this conversation. And again, this is a fun one. I, you know, I was thinking about this today, driving home from the local gun shop, Puglisi's Gun Emporium in Duluth, one of my one of my favorite places to go, especially when I'm picking up new guns. So that's always fun. But as I was driving back, just thinking about some of the things that I've got to do since being a part of the team at Project Upland, uh, I think about the f- feature film we did with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Public Grouse. That was a that was a really really fun project to contribute on, and this ranks right up there. I mean, it would be it would be hard to pick one, but this is ultimately seeing these guns being made, 
with the input that we took from the community and maybe we'll talk about a little bit how it all came together if folks aren't totally up to speed but this is a cool one and the guns are are in hand and folks are going to see them very soon so excited to talk about it today but i think where i want to start is the two guests on the bottom of my screen which has no reference to the listeners but (laughs) zach and joel you guys recently returned from a trip to the factory where these guns were made so i'd love to talk a little bit about you know we'll start with you zach because working for cz usa i know you hadn't been to the factory before you've obviously seen a ton of the guns and i'm sure you know a lot of the the story and you probably know people that work in the factory what was it like for you going overseas to turkey and checking out where these guns are made honestly you know i've i've heard from you know shotgun product manager and and folks who had gone and visited gunsmiths who had who'd gone over there i'd heard about how they were made and you know i i kind of have to take it on you know trust that yeah you know that we get a lot of questions from customers and so they'll want to buy a second barrel set for their bob white or whatever and you know we have to say, well, sorry, they are hand fit. Like there, there's a lot of work that goes into to mating that barrel set to that action. And, you know, I understand that cause I've been told that for years, but I never had any inkling how much work goes into every single one of these, even the, a Bob white that, you know, has an MSRP around 700 bucks. I had no yeah. idea. Like it, it just blew my mind. So Joel, before before we you talk a little bit about Turkey again to kind of remind the listeners if they if they heard the episode they'll know that you've got a lot of history with shotguns you know you're a lifelong bird hunter but you worked for Griffin and Howe spent a lot of time in the gun gun shop there and uh, I'm looking at basically it looks like kind of an amateur gunsmith shop behind you there <laughs> yeah 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 I um so I worked for Griffin and Howe for a couple of years there um, in the primarily in the gunsmith shop it was. Yeah. Uh, helping coordinate and run the the gunsmith shop and kind of keep those guys busy. And then, you know, jumped over from that to doing a little bit of, you know, marketing stuff for them. Um, And now have kind of changed direction a little bit in life. Things, things come and go and, um, you know, you got to keep rolling along, but uh, yes, this was uh, a great opportunity to go see another, um, another factory, another shotgun factory. I had been, um, I had been to, the to spain to aya to see their operation and uh, what they had going on and um was very very happy to join zach and cz you know check out cz check out hulu and see the factory um and you know my biggest thing going there was you know everybody has some preconceived notion of what it's supposed to be like right you have an idea you've you know, for myself anyway, I hear what people talk about. I read the posts on various groups on Facebook and you jump on the forums, you jump on the double gun, you know, you, you kind of, people are always asking questions about what gun to recommend or yeah. what gun they're going to buy or what gun they want to buy or what gun they think is no good to buy. Um, and you read all that stuff and you kind of form something in your mind of what it might be like. And having been a couple places and seen a few things that I will, you know, I mirror what Zach's feelings are is every time I'm actually there, and I see what goes into it, not just the handwork. I mean, I'll tell you that the machinery and the CNC side of it is just as impressive to me as the hand fitting, but boy, you know, there's no less people on one side or the other, you know, and they're, they're skilled craftsmen and they're doing something that, you know, it's, you know, sure. Some parts are made on a CNC. Some parts are made by hand, but yeah. I can tell you the amount of work, just straight work that goes into producing any firearm is staggering. And I think a lot of people don't have the grounding or, or just, you know, don't really quite 
see that when they pick it up at the store and say, oh, yeah, it's a $700 side-by-side. It's, you know, it looks good. It's got, it feels pretty nice. Um, you know, hands were on every piece of that gun to put it together. So, and that's something that I take home, you know, on every trip. But certainly this trip was one that kind of set me further back because I wasn't expecting the level, like Zach said, of handwork that actually went into these guns. I was taken aback by that for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Zach, tell me a little bit about stepping back, you know, from, from these guns a bit, but what was it like going to Turkey? That's a place that I've never been. I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody that's been there. I mean, what was it? What was the place like? I saw some really neat pictures. I saw a picture of Joel, like underneath a small truck trying to change a tire. And I don't know what kind of <laughs> trouble you guys got yourselves into, but well, it's not, you know, it's not an adventure to things go wrong. So. Yeah, it was honestly, it was, uh, it was pretty wild. So, um, Turkey in general, we, we flew into Istanbul and then immediately yeah. caught another flight to Konya. It kind of went to the sen- center of the country uh, and then basically drove to where, like right next to Lake Bashir, the largest freshwater lake in Turkey. So uh, the factory is in the mountains, uh, kind of south and east of Lake Bashir. And uh, it's, you're, you're basically kind of, you're kind of back in the hillbilly areas. I mean, it's just, they are, they are mountain folks that... Um, the history of this factory goes back to, to World War One. Uh, one of the one of the grandfathers of the of the factory, um, he got conscripted in World War One and was trained as a gunsmith during the war, and so he brought what he had learned during the war back to his hometown to the village, and basically just started teaching folks how to make guns and making guns himself, and it started up as a cottage industry there, and so kind of seeing what it's evolved into over the course of more than a hundred years. Uh, it's, it's impressive. Um, it's, there's an entire, like the entire town is revolving around shotguns nowadays. Um, it's, it's, it's impressive. Uh, and you're still up in the mountains. So you, you, you're surrounded by, by just beautiful mountains and they've got, uh, all the mountains are made of marble. So they've got marble mines all around them. Uh, it's, it's a really, really interesting place. Joel, was it your Instagram post I was looking at where you kind of were referring to, I sort of knew this from I think talking to Zach that it was like some other areas in the world, this place is, there's a gun making culture there. And I think it was your Instagram post where you were talking about how a lot of people have little gun shops at home and there. I mean, this is like a way of life for this community. Yeah. So like what, what Zach was saying is there's a long history of not only of them in, in the town of Hulu. So Hulu is the town. Uh, Hulu is also the name of the factory. Um, and they are, were and are in the sixties had to form a cooperative. Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, a cooperative yeah. that basically said that assimilated all of the cottage part of the industry. So they were very much working from their homes, working from individual places, producing firearms for a number of different things, you know, all for the most part, majority being shipped out away wherever they were going. Um, but it was very classic kind of guild style building where someone would get a stock and they would do you know, the stock shaping or the checkering, and then they would pass it on to whoever was going to do the, you know, you know, the inletting or the, this or that. The, the barrel fitting was done by one guy, and then they would pass it along. So very much the, the culture of the area and, like, that little town is is, is really steeped in gun making. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see so many people, you know, you go into the town of, of Hulu, which is just beyond the factory. You know, it's a stone's throw from the factory. You can see it. And you get the feeling that they're, you know, again, that there's not a whole lot more around to be doing other than the gun making in the area. Cause there's a, 
you know, a couple areas that, that people are doing the gun making and for, there was some, uh, apparently some more military type, uh, firearms making going on there and at some other factories, but you get the very distinct feeling that the majority of the people in this town are involved in gun making or the supporting pieces of what it is to make guns, whether they're supporting the town or, um, that's, that's kind of what they do. And it's neat cause it is, it is very, you know, way more isolated than I expected in terms of just, you take a drive and you're driving, driving, and there's not a lot around. It's very empty. It's very rural. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's this wildly modern building that just, just sets itself off. Like everything else is, you know, much more what you would feel like. And then, you know, you get there and they, they just moved into, I don't remember how many square, 7,000 square meters or something they said their floor space was. It was some some number I couldn't wrap my mind around because I couldn't <laughs> quite quickly do the meters feet trans uh translation there but yeah. a beautiful big modern building that again you wouldn't expect for the area but boy when i tell you that they are up and up with the times with that they certainly are very cool and i'm not letting you guys get out of this one but zach i i know you to be kind of like the overlanding off-road dude i'm just like wondering like why was joel on his back on the ground fixing that tire i mean was was that just like a seniority thing you know, he's just really eager. He he wanted to see how it was affixed on that. No, uh, I was trying to. What avoid. the hell happened? Well, you know, you, you get a little, you get on some of those mountain trails, and you know, sometimes you hit a rock outcropping, and it leaves the vehicle stranded on the on the mountain for a few days. It, it happens. The least we could do is change the tire. We yeah, it's the only thing we could fix. So yeah, we could fix. <laughs> we might as well we fix, fix that. the tire. So and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so wait a minute. When you say you could only fix the tire, what else was wrong? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We didn't just walk away from the truck and leave it somewhere in the wild. It's fine. The the get the best guesstimation is that it destroyed the electronic steering box at the same time. So, eh, who knows? Is a is a diesel Out Ford Ranger, and it, it was not leaving that mountain. At least, it, I mean, it could have left the mountain, but it would have rolled the whole way. So, yeah, gravity yeah. powered. Yes. Okay. The wheels were wheels were locked at a forty five, and it would have to just get pushed off the edge to make it off the mountain. So now, was that a sightseeing adventure that was cut abruptly short? It was. It was for our digestion. You know, we okay. we had a big lunch, and we needed to go off road and to make everything you know settle. It was. It was a hiatus between shooting shooting birds and shooting clays, as, as I recall. Um, and after, like I said, after a big lunch, so nothing better to help digestion than. Doing a little Baja style yeah. across the rock, Breaking the rocky, the rocky, arid terrain of the mountainous sides of, of Turkey. So, well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you as you were over in one of the gun making capitals of, of the world. I guess did you get to shoot any guns? And it sounds like you did. Yes, we did. Yeah, we, we did. Probably more than uh, probably more than we should have, but we definitely we definitely burned <laughs> some shells and, and some clays and had had a really good time. Um, our hosts there that. Uh, that took us out. They really uh, rolled out the red carpet, as it were. And um, about the fi- about the fifth time, they brought out a, a fresh uh, slate of like you know bringing a couple boxes of clays at a time. About the fifth time, they bring more clays. I'm like, all right, we probably need to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They they were um, you know they were they were very generous hosts, which I will you know to their credit, everything was uh, very much. You know, they wanted to make sure that we had a great time there, and, and we certainly did. And, and they definitely, like I said, they, they put it on for us and, and made sure we had fun. So when it was when it was clay shooting time, it was cases of shells and cases of clays and, 
You know, yeah. if you wanted to stop, it was no, 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 just a couple more, just a couple. You know, yeah, yeah, do <laughs> you know what? Do this this time. Wait till I yell, shoot. You know, wait till I yell. You know, yell to break the clay. And uh, you know, they they got. I mean, that's the one thing that I that I thought was really cool is you can not speak the same language or you know be very you know from vastly different worlds. But when you get into something like shooting clays. We play the same games. You That's play cool. the same, you know, break break the clay, then break the piece, or shoot it before it gets to this tree, or shoot it after that tree, or whatever it might be. You know, it's and it's no different. Break it you know. after the guy next to you misses it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. all the little things, all the little things. Yeah. 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 So that was... I got to ask, guys, um, being in similar situations with gun companies before, you usually get to kind of run the gambit on every single model of shotgun and whatnot. So, like, what were you guys shooting? So, mainly, we had a couple of Bob Whites. Um, so, I think we had 12-gauge Bob Whites. There was a redhead in the mix. There was a teal, which is essentially a redhead with a black receiver that's made for Cabela's. Uh, they had a semi auto I think it was a 1012 uh, bronze that was in the mix. Yeah, one, um, one or two 1012s, I think. So Yep. Yep. So was so there a winner? Like was was there like the was there the clay killer? <laughs> like what was the clay killer gun? Come on. <laughs> oh, those Bob Whites. Once once Joel and I got into the kind of got into the rhythm with those Bob Whites. Man, it was <laughs> it was you get into that. Um, it's almost like the you know driven bird rhythm or something like that. I've never shot driven birds, but I feel like you come into a rhythm where you shoot and reload and shoot and reload, and you kind of get into that that style of, okay, the shells are, you know, I got to pull them and pop them and get ready for the next, I don't know. So when you, when, and then when you do that for several cases of ammo, there's, you know, you kind of figure it out. And you start realizing that splinter forehand on a Bob White is not great when the barrels get scorching hot. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's great in the field, but if you're going to do what we were doing, it gets warm. So yeah, I've shot some of my splinter forehand side-by-side guns enough at the clays range to know that that feeling yeah uh, yeah they're they're game guns absolutely now i know the three of you on this podcast have all had the chance to go into a gun making factory be it the one over there in turkey or aya i know aj you got to go over there and probably some more but one of my dreams is always to walk in to the the factory into the wood room and joel i saw some pictures from you i mean they like the stacks and if if you think about the the number of guns that cz's making and man i mean we're going to talk about the upgraded wood on the Project Upland guns, but they've obviously got an inventory of wood. But walking into there, what was that like? Look, I, I mean, I, I've always wanted to walk in there, pick out my blank. You know, I, I'm I'm positive I would get analysis paralysis looking at so damn many of them. <laughs> but what was the wood room like there at the factory? There's no way to to put to, put to words how much the volume. Of, yeah. Unless you've seen something like that, there's no way to put mm-hmm. to words the volume of. I mean, the a pole barn that's big enough to hold a combine full of stock blanks and twice that size. And and then room after room of blanks, those were the ones that weren't even started drying yet. They were like, Oh yeah, we just got these. These are just waiting out here until they're ready to be moved into like the drying area. And you walk in the drying area and then there's just blanks, floor to ceiling stacked, you know, crisscross so they can have airflow through them. And the volume, the volume of raw material that goes through there. I don't, I actually didn't, see i didn't actually get to witness what they do with the sawdust which is actually a really good question i the volume of excess wood that you know because you know you're talking with a blank and how big it is they must have some way to get to get rid of that and it is impressive because they had a way to get rid of the scrap metal they have like a wild advanced recycling system that they condense all their 
their shavings and and bale it. Anyway, I was curious about what they do with all the scrap, the sawdust, because there has to be ten times more of that than there is wood shavings. But um, whatever goes into wood pellets or something. I mean, they must have some way to deal with it. Yeah. But uh, it's free heating for everybody in town. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) But so I mean, we all know. I mean, if you're a gun person, you've heard of Turkish walnut. I mean, that's there's there's no getting around that. Um, they have a distinct advantage in Turkish walnut in Turkey. So right. that's that's kind of all you really need to know is that these guys have access to and have had some of the best walnut that's ever been grown and cut and used for gun stocks. And the, they have their finger on the pulse of where to get and continue to get whatever reserves are left of the best walnut, best Turkish walnut and that style of walnut in the world. So... As far as wood is concerned, they've got they've got it in spades. Yeah, is that is that walnut coming from somewhere close, or is it a different part of the country? Like, did you guys get to kind of mingle with that aspect of the the business? The, I think they mentioned that the vast majority of what they have is coming from Turkey near the Iranian border. E- yeah, I guess which is east, right? Eastern Turkey. Yeah. They said so, and I mean that's it's something that it sounded like they search for. So it sounded like they are on the lookout for uh, walnut and and, other, and sources of walnut and sources of volumes of walnut. Um, oh. And it was something that they expressed to us while we were there that um, that they're you know they're always on the lookout for it. I, I just have to clarify that the gun stock on the shotgun that I picked up this morning looked like Zach Wayne might have picked the tree itself. So. yeah the wood on the guns that i have seen that were selected for these is eye-popping i mean it's it's it was one of the things that i will say and and we'll we'll use this to kind of transition into talking about the crowdsource shotgun i knew going into it that ultimately the community was choosing from various features of cz guns that were currently in production. We weren't reinventing the wheel here. We weren't going to come up with a new action or anything crazy like that. It was picking and choosing from very select features within the CZ lineup and trying to design something that the Upland community wanted. And to be fair, CZ makes guns that many Upland hunters use in the field. So it's not like this was new for CZ. There's already guns out there that are very well suited to Upland bird hunters in the CZ lineup. So kind of in the back of my mind, we knew AJ and I and Zach, we all knew going into this that, you know, somebody might design a gun that basically is what you already have. And on one hand, that kind of did happen, but there were just enough tweaks to it that I think made these guns really cool. And that's where I was going with the wood. The upgraded wood, I think, just adds so much to the guns. And that's not something that you see on all of the, the guns in the CZ lineup standard. So the fact that the Project Upland community ultimately voted to upgrade both of the side-by-side and the over-under to grade three wood, I think is is going to make a lot of people happy. And I can tell you from the guns that I've seen, that is definitely going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we might not just... soft on, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say they're not soft on their wood grades. No, <laughs> no, no. And, and honestly, we, we have a handful of guns that use this grade three wood. So this is just really one good step yeah. up from field grade. Um, and we've had, we, our Supreme field uses it and it, 
it's amazing what comes through on it. So I was really, yeah. really, really hoping that it would go to grade three um, at the very yeah. least, because we, uh, we we might as well step back and kind of talk about the whole project, uh, talk yeah. about the crowdsourced project. So I, I was going to say, AJ, I don't like I don't know if you remember, like this is just one of those things that you you and I have had. We've had conversations over the years like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could get with one of these gun companies and design a design a cool gun i don't know when the moment happened but i i do know that at some point you and chet probably had a conversation with zach and i remember you calling me all excited about how we were going to be doing the project upland cz usa gun and and i was jazzed up about it and ultimately it turned into this community crowdsource but do you remember the any early conversation or any spark for this thing aj oh man i mean i feel like i look back on it now and i feel like it was like landed on my desk and the next day we were putting out right. the survey. <laughs> right, right. I, I feel like it's it's all kind of a blur to be honest. But I mean, I, I think the one thing I love about it is crowdsourcing it and asking those questions to the community is just so true to the brand project. Online. Yeah. You know, like this concept of these are your stories. Like this is the community's brand. Um, you know, everything in our brand is influenced by the community. Um, whether it's correcting part of an article that we may have got wrong, or maybe it's even crowdsourcing the data that went into an article, um, or even deciding what we're going to write about because that's what the community's, you know, talking about. Um, and this was that opportunity for us to do it with guns, and, and, and that in of itself is very special for us as a brand. Well, I know exactly when it happened. Um, it was there we go. Uh, Pheasant <laughs> Fest um, 2020. Man, it feels like yeah, it, it feels been, like three or four years oh, ago due to the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it would have been. Tw- it, it was twenty twenty, so it's two thousand. It was just the the, the last pheasant yeah, fest that actually right. occurred. Twenty twenty pheasant yeah, fest. Yeah, yeah, while yeah. while <laughs> it was yeah. twenty twenty, it was February twenty twenty. It feels like yeah. it was years ago. At that this does. Point. Yeah, like it does now that we skipped one year of pheasant fest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so now I'm just like now I'm just like impressed that. That was because we were all together there, and I can I can re- recall it now. That's how it, that's how we really got the ball rolling on the conversation. You know, the, like we probably punted this around a little bit, but now it's like, shoot, this is barely over a year from that date, and I got the gun sitting right next to me here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it was honestly it was because you know I'd been at Pheasant Fest and I wasn't working Pheasant Fest. I, I kind of went as a personal little thing. Yeah. Um, and just so I could hang out and and see it all. Um, and so after three days of, of kind of, you know, kind of work in the booth and just hearing, you know, I think it was, uh, Joe, uh, Wapinski was, was kind of yeah. the, he might've been the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so he <laughs> had, it. he had, uh, like everybody, they have, everybody has an idea of what we should do, right. Yes, of different yes. models we should do and how, and he loved, loved, loved the Bob White, but he's a lefty. And so it just... Oh, this was the Southpaw conversation. Yeah, it, it got I the wheels remember. turning. And so I was like, well, <laughs> there's no reason we shouldn't do a left-handed Bob White. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. I started doing some research. Nobody makes a production lefty side-by-side. Um, like SKB used to make a competition lefty side-by-side. Nobody makes a, a lefty side-by-side now. So it's like, yeah, it's a no-brainer. And the more I you know experience... Like at a show, you always get people giving you ideas of what you should make. But... Yeah. In this, like, kind of in the spirit of Project Upland, and thinking about all the things and all the ways this community can come together, uh, trying to let them design a, a, a gun. Like originally, it was supposed to be one gun, um, and yeah. kind of the idea from it. Really, I mean, I don't know. I think it was two thousand seven. Uh, I'm a huge car guy, and so 
there's a there's a car that ended up getting designed by the internet. So all the all the design, all the modeling, the choosing the the engine and and how everything was going to be set up, uh, it was all done via the internet. They they basically they didn't consider it crowdsourcing. They considered it co-designed by the internet, and uh, it was just it was wonderful. Is the the local motors uh, rally fighter, and so it, it looks like a a P fifty one Mustang. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful car. It's meant to go off road and go fast. And, and it's just a goofy, fun car that was invented by the internet. And that thing is always kind of stuck in my head. And, you know, I'm, I'm not in the automotive industry, but I'm in the gun industry. I, I could try to do something similar here. And I kind of just bounce the idea off AJ. And I think the, the question was, you think you could really do that? I was like, uh-huh. right. Maybe <laughs> we probably, we should be able to. So that's kind of where it started. Yeah. That brings a lot of it back to me in as far as some of the early conversations we had. And I think like I'm guilty of, of being the guy that, you know, pulls Zach aside at Pheasant Fest and said, you know, you should, you should do this. You know, you should, you should design a gun like this. And I think, I mean, that's natural, right? Like I, I, anybody that works for a gun company or really any product is probably used to that. You go to a show and you're getting feedback and, and you're listening. But I think what, kind of pulls this together in such a unique way is that we ultimately we went out and asked the community to vote on these features and you know put together that crowdsource that amalgamation of everybody's opinions to ultimately bring it back to cz and say hey this is what the majority of people would be interested in yeah so really how this happened we basically got together as a, as a group between project upland and and the our shock and product manager myself and we basically got a yep. big list of every every different option we could do. We pretty much, we started drawing the line when it got to checkering, uh, cause it, it, it became a monster of a spreadsheet of all the different options we could do. And so that, that's one thing I kind of regret. I kind of wish we could have put checkering into the mix. Uh, but honestly it was, yeah, you, you could keep going forever. <laughs> uh, but barrel length, uh, rib style. So like mid rib or no mid rib, uh, target yeah. wide rib, um, swamp rib, like all sorts of different things. We basically fleshed out everything our factory could do and found a price that we could associate with it. So yep. if you were to try to build one of these guns one-off, because we do customs, we do custom orders all the time, um, it won't be the price that we, we came up with ultimately because the whole goal right. of this is to be a production gun. You have an economy of scale there. You're making a whole run of them, so you're able to actually get that price down a little bit. So... If you were to build like this exact gun um, through our custom shop, it's not going to be even remotely what this price is. It's going to yeah. be quite a bit more. So that's one of the other cool things to highlight is is that yes, ultimately your bang for your buck is higher. You, anybody could have gone to CZ at any time and designed this this particular gun, but now with it being a production gun, you're going to get it at a at a screaming deal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I. I- I remember one interesting aspect of the project when we just before we had put the questions out because we had talked about that car and um, it was kind of like how do we protect the community from itself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah. real concern that it's like, what if the community just built this Frankenstein, yeah. you know, <laughs> shotgun that's just a, the worst idea ever? Um, and there was like we talked about you know like how are we going to overcome kind of a failsafe if that happens and. It didn't happen, which is kind yeah. of the, uh, but I mean, uh, there was definitely some discussions of the worst case 
there. Yeah, because so things can go like, sideways. No, this gun is not a good idea. What's that one example you always bring up, Zach? Of the boat, yeah. So the the British, uh, it was it's like an Arctic exploration vessel, and they put it to the public to name it. And uh, the the overwhelming winner was Bodie McBoatface. Um, <laughs> so now you have whatever. Yeah, we didn't want to end up with Bodie RSS Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, that, that was the yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, and the gun I held today, the gun that I have now, is not is not that good. No, it is not. <laughs> no, it yeah. And and the crazy thing is in all this, we're you know, people could have chosen anything. I mean, you you could have done any mashup of all the different things that we already do. Um and it could have a beaver tail forend, it could have a pistol grip yeah. and a double trigger. It could be any of these con- configurations. And surprisingly, the the resulting guns are H- just like premium versions of our best selling side by side and over under. Yeah, I mean it's it's just essentially a premium version of the gun that does really well for us now. Definitely. So that's that's pretty wild. So the Bob White G2 is the basis for this side by side. So much that we just called it the Bob White G2 Project Upland. Uh, it's yeah. basically just an upgrade, like in every way, it's an upgrade to the base Bob White. Yeah, well, I think I think this would be a good time to sort of walk through each of the guns because I know that we ultimately we. We talked about this on a, on a previous episode, and we put it to the community. They voted. We got the majority of the votes in, and they, that really kind of steered the guns in the direction they were ultimately going to go. And then I remember I was just messaging with Jennifer last week. We had a couple of sort of tiebreakers, some things with barrel length and rib, and rib, and a few different things that we went back out to the community to try to break those ties with the general direction set. And that's how we ultimately ended up with the over-under version and the side-by-side version. And as Zach alluded to, they are, they're similar to a gun that's in the CZ lineup, but they've got some basically premium tweaks to it, which is pretty cool. Joel, I wish you had the guns and you could walk us through, but I don't know if you got to see them, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the whole thing, Joel? Because you were not necessarily totally involved in the process but i'm sure you were maybe paying attention from afar yeah i mean i i certainly was a witness to um the process that went on and participated for my part and it's curious to see what other people do i mean you know the part of the goal of this whole thing is not to just live in a bubble right so we we all like what we like you know we're you know correct i have a gun room full of guns that i like because i liked them i was walking down a, a a rack or an aisle or a table and i said oh man that's a you know that's a double trigger double trigger Prince of Wales grip, 28 inch, this, that, you know, the next thing. And then, man, look at the wood on that. Or, you know, oh, it's some obscure, you know, everybody likes what they like. And it's nice to not live in a bubble and see what the rest of the world also likes. And yeah. I think that was kind of my impression of the project was it was a fun look into, you know, what the current impressions are of the people that, you know, that yep. are out there doing the same things that I'm doing, which is fun. That's a, it's a cool thing to be a part of that. And, um, I think that the resulting guns, I mean, I have had, you know, I don't personally own a, a CZ, um, but, you know, the, the guns that I that I had the opportunity to shoot, it was nice to pick up a gun like that and shoot it, and I had a good time with them. I think, you know, again, uh, and Zach and I talked about this, it is it is not not completely ironic that the gun ends up being a lot like a production gun that they chose. I mean, as you would expect, yeah. they have their finger on the pulse to some extent of what people are looking for, and... I think that the, you know, we're all looking for a gun either to break clays or to take into the field. And that hasn't changed wildly in the last hundred or so years. So we've kind of got it. There's 
been a little bit of work to try and figure out what that thing looks like. And, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that everybody likes a little bit nicer version of the one that we know works. So the, the grade yeah. three wood doesn't surprise me. The, the, the side plates, you know, the engraving, the case, at least for me, I'm a case color guy. A lot of the things that I know about this gun don't surprise me because they're the ones that I, you know, if I could build a gun, it would be a lot like this gun. And so the things I know about it are obviously at least the side by side anyway, which would be my, would be my choice. Maybe we can go through that and then you guys can tell me where I got it wrong, but it is a, a 28 inch, uh, side plated gun, double trigger. Uh, it has a, a straight grip, uh, you know, English style grip, uh, upgraded wood, obviously to the grade three wood, which we've talked about. And then uh, I don't recall what rib they put on it, actually, off the top. It's a raised rib. Okay, so a raised rib, which makes yeah. some sense. And swamp, I think Swamp Game Rib was an option in the voting. So, yeah, raised rib was on okay. there. Okay. And then uh, choke tubes. Interchangeable so choke tubes. You're right up my alley. I paid way yeah. too much to have choke tubes put into things that people would kill me for putting <laughs> choke tubes in. So um, <laughs> we'll just go with that one. And then um, – so the the pad too is the pad the um, it's the hard top rubber bottom right so yep. it's, it's so it has what, a hard top so it slides up yeah so yep. it's what yep. you would call a sporting clays pad so most people would know that as a sporting clays pad so it's it doesn't catch on your game coat your vest or whatever it is that you might be shooting in but gives you a little bit of recoil reduction um, recoil reduction in the end and um, so as far as guns are concerned you you know at least for myself. It was right up my alley when I saw when I saw these things. I was like, "Oh, yeah, you know, It seems like the community is into what I'm into. Yeah, I would. I so would we built a better mousetrap. I <laughs> better better. I don't know. Better maybe uh, grade three wood mousetrap. So it'd be like nicer, your, nicer your Victor. Mousetrap. If your Victor had a grade three walnut base on it instead of that whatever <laughs> pine it is or balsa wood. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now yeah. here's the real question: is if you went into Home Depot to pick up your pack, your four pack of Victors, and there was the regular ones and the grade three walnut ones, would you buy the walnut ones? I can almost pretty sure I would. That? What kind of finisher on the uh, walnut? You know, hand yeah, rubbed, hand rubbed oil. oil, satin, <laughs> thousand coats. Uh, I think actually Zach mentioned it earlier, but we should highlight because it's it's crucial to the design of this gun that. This wasn't a freewheeling, choose whatever you want in your wildest dreams. There was a price associated with everything, and there was a price associated with the wood upgrade, the engraving, and everything. So that made this what it is. It it would not have been the same if we just gave people, you know, design your dream gun kind of thing, because we wanted it to be realistic, and ultimately we wanted people to buy these guns and take them into the field, which is which is what's going to happen. So. The, the price was a factor, and people had to consider that as they were choosing these features, they could see the price go up and down on the side as they were taking the survey. So that ultimately played into the guns that got designed. And again, people made those decisions on, yes, I'm willing to pay for the upgraded wood. I'm not willing to pay for the engraving, that sort of thing. And to to echo Joel's sentiment on on the side-by-side that got designed, I mean, it's it's about as close as it could be to like the gun that I wanted to see. And and some of it for me was just wanting to see something a little bit different than what CZ had, not wanting it to be the same gun. So you, you take a Bob white as the platform, which I loved to begin with. You got the straight grip, double trigger side by side gun. It's a great, I mean, just the Bob white alone 
as far as where it is as a price point for people that are interested in side by sides, it's just it's really you can't go wrong starting there. And I've I've talked to so many people that buy the Bob White G two or or the original as their first side by side gun, but we take that, you upgrade the wood to grade three, you put side plates on it, case color hardening, give it a little bit of you know, sort of visual aesthetic and you've just taken a really great gun and made it even better, which is cool. Yeah. And most of the, most of the money that like the upgrade money is in the wood. Um, yep. the, the color case adds a bit and the side plates add a bit. Um, but most of that money is in the wood. So, um, yep. on the Bob white version, so 12 and 20 come in at 1429 and then the 28 okay. is a hundred bucks more 1529. Fifteen twenty nine. Okay. Yep. So that's the that's the MSRP. Folks yep. are hearing it here first for the Bob White twelve and twenty fourteen twenty nine and the twenty eight gauge fifteen twenty nine. Yep. All right. Let's do over under. Zach, do you wanna do you wanna walk us through that one? Absolutely. So the this gun is based off of our Redhead, um, the Redhead Premier. It's been in our line for many 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 years, as long as I've been here. Um, so it's kind of gone through a couple different upgrades. It's, it's essentially, it's kind of our flagship over under. So it's a, it is a, um, ejector over under. So you've got, um, a silver chrome receiver. You've got 28 inch black chrome barrels, five, uh, interchangeable flush chokes, a brass bead. Uh, it's got a solid mid rib, which gives it a pretty, I mean, it's a really nice swing for a 28 inch barrel, uh, vetted top rib. Um, the fore end on it was one of the departures from the standard redhead. Uh, so it went to the, the, the forearm that we use on our Drake. So it's, it's just a different style. It's just a, we call it an upland style fore end. It's just a little bit more modern. The, the standard redhead is just a really rounded front. This is just slightly different, and the community is the, liked it. Is the standard redhead? Is it a schnabel forend? Would you call it? No, the standard redhead just has a just a round forend. Like oh, the front okay. of the forend just perfectly round. Whereas this one okay. is like, I don't know. It has the remnants. It's like tapered. I will say I love the forend on this gun. It the like fore and over under. I love how it tapers into the barrels, and it's like it's not even there. Well, and compared to the standard uh, redhead, that front of the forend tapers towards the barrels, and it and it makes it way thinner uh, in the hand. It changes the way the, the gun feels completely. Um, so yeah. again, silver uh, chrome receiver, single trigger, ejector, and one of the one of the things that the uh, community chose was to do our magnetic ejectors, which on oh. a on an ejector gun like this, I absolutely love them. So I've got some shells right here. So the cool thing... Uh, you're going to have to explain to me what a magnetic injector, uh, yes. ejector is. So this is something that is ours and ours alone. We, um, we've patented this. And so you're not going to find a lot of people that use an over-under or a side-by-side in a duck blind. Uh, it's just... It's not as practical. Um, yeah. To load the gun, you got to point the gun down, either into the blind, to the boat, whatever. You have to put the shells in and then close it and tip it up. Well, the magnetic ejector has rare earth magnets in there, so you can load this sucker oh, wow. with the just gun the pointed straight pointed up, up in the air. Yep. So I just put two shells in this I thing. wish the audience could see this live, yeah. this live demo. So the, so live, a, the live demo is... That's pretty rad. Live demo includes putting a shell uh, into the gun with the gun barrels pointed yep. directly upwards, uh, yeah. two shells being inserted into the gun, and both are holding. And these are, uh, I presume, to be dummy rounds that are fully weighted, and they hold just fine. So 
That no, I just correct. pulled them out of the box. They are, uh... <laughs> or they Zach, shut up. <laughs> yeah, their their dummy rounds waited properly for a load of yeah, uh, totally. steel or business. Yeah. That's pretty rad, dude. Yeah. I think I actually have. I've got snap caps. So that's the duck gun right there. Okay. They stay in. No, they won't. The snap caps They're will aluminum. not stay in. They're, They're aluminum. aluminum. Yeah, Come on yeah, now. Yeah. No, so I'm not, so, I'm not holding that against CZ. <laughs> so most shells nowadays don't actually have a brass base. Uh, it's typically right. a steel base that's brass washed. And so for 90% of the shells out there, um, it's going to take those shells and retain them. So when you have a, I mean, if you're, it, you might not be a waterfowler, but uh, if you're working with a dog, if you're crossing a fence, uh, you break the thing open and yeah. slide it under the fence. When you pick the gun up, the shells are going to be there. They're not going anywhere. If you bend over to yeah. work with a dog, put a leash on, whatever, you're not going to stand back up and those shells fly out the back. Why didn't we put that on the side by side? You know, they Is could it not have if they the side by side. It's it, not in the side okay. by side. It, it yeah. should be. I can't tell you how many yeah. times I've broken the broken wow. the gun. And it, I, I think I'm sending mine back. I'm I'm waiting for the uh, <laughs> 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I will the, say that I don't waterfowl hunt much anymore. It's been a long time since I have, but I have been in situations where it's usually when I'm on my knees after I've shot a bird and I got the dog and I'm trying to wrangle everything, maybe take a picture or something, and the that's when the barrel slides and. The shells yeah. fall. Off. Well, and you don't even know how it happens. It's like how how did I even right. drop the shells? But it right. happens every time, and they go into the mud, and you're like, uh. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. So so, so kind of finishing up on the over under. Yeah, keep walking yep. us. So back there. we'll keep walking back. Um, so this is a single selectable trigger gun. So you have a a selector on the safety. Um, yep. We on all of our guns we do a mechanical trigger. They're not an inertia gun. Uh, it's a mechanical trigger. It's going to go bang. Okay. You know, whether or not that first one went off. So if you if you shot a bird, go to slap another shell in and don't get the shell in in time and another bird gets up, you can pull up the gun, you know, click on the empty chamber and then actually hit that second chamber. Um, the uh, the stock itself is just like a redhead. So it's a pistol grip. It uh, doesn't have yep. a Monte Carlo. And then at the very back, that was one of the changes that the, the community wanted was a was a ventilated pad. So we yeah. typically do a flat pad on all of our guns. Um, the reason we do that is because 90, I don't know, 70% of people really should have a length of pull adjustment. Uh, they don't. Uh, we build them for the average person, but yep. everybody could use a little bit of an adjustment to make it better for them. It's not going to be perfect just with a length of pull, but it'll help a lot. Um, yeah. If you leave, if we just equip it with a flat pad, it leaves a lot more wood. So if you're like me and you need a 15 and a half inch length of pole, you're not having to just take that pad off and put a bunch of spacer because then you're just going to have a big old black spacer and it's ugly as sin. So the more wood we can leave, the better. Um, yeah. If you're cutting it, you're cutting it anyway. So it doesn't matter. But, you know, if we can, we can go with a flat pad, leave more, more wood there for the customer to use and then also not have an expensive pad on the gun. So, you know, if they're going to be thrown away anyway, you know, they've got less money in right. the gun at, at MSRP. Yeah, I think we had we had a wood butt plate as an option and maybe even a skeletonized plate. Yeah, engraved skeletonized there, like that. Yeah. It was whatever whatever they wanted. And uh right. on this one it was definitely the vented the vented pad. So. Yeah. All right, what since we did it on the side, what are the retail MSRPs there? Yeah, so on the 12 and 20 it's 1509. Uh, and I think that can really be attributed to the ejector. Um uh, just a little bit more money in that. And also that magnetic uh, aspect to it. It doesn't add a lot, yeah, but it adds weird. a little bit. Uh, on 28 gauge, it's 1609. So another hundred bucks more. Okay. Where does that come in relative to the Supreme field? 
So the Supreme Field, I think, is going to be just shy of nineteen hundred bucks. Okay, so so it's underneath the Supreme Field. Yep. Yeah, okay. which is a heck of a deal when you look at it because this outside of the engraving, um, this is pretty much identical. the The engraving on the on this over under is just like the Redhead, um, except for one little addition on both sides, which is the Project yeah. Upland name logo. So yeah. very cool. Well, let's. I kind of put my not that anybody really cares what i gave my two cents on what i think about the side-by-side version let's maybe go around the horn a little bit and talk about where perhaps just for fun where the community departed from your own personal taste aj <laughs> uh side by side first and then over under what what it's what are your thoughts yeah um i i wanted the the wood butt um <laughs> that was that was really the only I think departure from, um, and I would have been stoked with the swamp rib as well. But, um, so those were kind of the two big things for me. Other than that, it's, it's, um, it's spot on. Um, I really wanted a 20 gauge and, you know, a week ago, Zach and I were talking and I was like, yeah, yeah, I want a 20 gauge. And he's like, no, you don't, you want a 28. And I'm like, listen, man, I just came off a really rough season with a 28. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I ended up back on the 20 because of it and things went well. And um, I ended up with a 28. And I'll tell you, shoulder in it, it had a really great balance and a, a really, it had a really fluid swing. And I think the issue I particularly ran into with the 28 I was shooting this year was just such a light gun and I just don't feel like I, had, I get a fluid swing with it. I, I kind of wish I had got longer barrels on it. I think that would have resolved some of that. But so it, it felt really good. Obviously I haven't shot it yet, but um, I mean, I, I do really well with my 20 gauge Bob White. I did really well with my 20 gauge Sharptail. Um, I can just hear you know, him. So, and, I can hear him building in excuses for next year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's all going to be blamed on the twenty-eight. I, yeah, that was like, I mean, everybody knows. Everybody in the community has used this excuse. <laughs> I didn't invent this. This excuse has been crowdsourced. <laughs> but, um, anyways, so on the over and under, uh, I'm going to admit I, I didn't. I didn't even answer the over and under survey. Um, I don't know if I did. I either. did the side. Yeah, I did the side by side, and that was it. Yeah. And it's just. Um, I still own, you know, I own one over and under in my gun safe, and it's more because I killed all my first birds over my my dog with it, yeah. you know, as far as, like, the first birds I killed over him, meaning, and I just couldn't part with it, so, because um, it's just got too many, you know, personal memories, so I own all side-by-sides now, and I, I'm really passionate about shooting side-by-side, so I just, it wasn't really a thing to me. Um, I know uh, before we hopped on this, before you hit record, Zach and I were talking a little bit about how I do want one of the, the over and unders and I, I am going to definitely, definitely break some plays with it and yeah. have some fun with it. Maybe it will be my duck gun because, uh, as I say, on every podcast I get on, this is the year I'm taking up duck hunting, but it never happens. <laughs> um, so maybe this is the year I'm taking up duck hunting with that gun. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I will. Uh, regular listeners of this podcast will know that I have kind of a fancy for side by sides and I end up, spending most of my time shooting them and talking about them. And I, I haven't gone out and sought out a lot of over-unders, but just, again, I, I'm fortunate enough to have one here with me. And uh, looking at this thing, if I were in the market for an over-under, I mean, this this is a, this is a good one. It's This would look good being carried in the field. And uh, I unboxed him with my little son. He's going to be three next week, and 
he loves looking at shotguns with me, and I I just was kind of got like a warm feeling thinking about you know I'll have these guns and he'll be he'll be shooting them someday. So I I felt uh, felt pretty good about that, which is cool. Joel, over under, we we kind of got your got your take on the side by side. What do you think about the over under? Uh, so the over and under really is pretty similar to what. So I I don't also I have a few over unders, but um, yeah the the one. The the one thing I would say is I'm I'm a case color guy I'm I like I'm you know tried and true case color guy so um, you know that's the one thing I would change about it is I just I just can't there's something about the coin receiver that you know I've got plenty of old guns that are worn silver but if I'm gonna get a new gun I want it to be uh, I want to be case case hardened and then actually on the side by side. uh, I am not a I'm not an English script guy. For you guys can, can you know oh, throw yeah. me under the bus all you want on that one, but I would take uh, I would take a round straight knob. round you know really straight round knob or even a pistol yeah. grip over the over the straight. Yeah. Some I think I roll my wrist too much when I get a straight grip gun. Um, well, you got to get your elbow up. I there. yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you <laughs> everybody Sounds who like, hands me one, Jerry yeah. in particular, they always hear. Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to tell a story here. <laughs> Go ahead. Joel, yeah. Joel's on the phone with me a couple days ago, and we hatched out this straight grip versus <laughs> <laughs> others because, you know, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this is blasphemy. So anyways, he's like, you know, it's just like every time somebody hands me something with a straight grip, I just never do good. And I was like, oh, yeah, like the time I filmed you shooting a double on Woodcock. <laughs> <laughs> he's like well you know that was just a rare you know it just kind of happened and, <laughs> and everything else and I was you like, weren't yeah, thinking about it you didn't have that, that negative thought dog. <laughs> yeah well you gotta get lucky sometimes i suppose but yeah, uh, yeah. no the uh, to to bring it back no the uh the over and under is is very similar to something that i'd pick up for sure i mean and i yeah. i do like the idea of the um, the magnetic ejectors, because there's been a hundred times where I've been, you know, forget dropping them in the mud. If you set your gun down on the ground to do anything in the field, tie your shoe, inevitably that gun flips over, tips over, something happens where it's broken open and the shells spill out and they're in the grass or in whatever's on the forest floor. And um, having yeah. them stay in there would be really, that's a really, really nice feature. So yeah. that might be an inclusion on the side-by-side that I that I wish I had at some point, but... Yeah, when CZ announced that a couple of years ago, I mean it's a, uh, it's unique. I mean you've never never heard of it before, and it's a it's a cool thing, and it's you know it's maybe not a reason to go buy a specific gun, but when you've got it in there, it's you know uh, it just it's the other thing is nice it really ensures that your ejectors are crisp. It must it that's must true. because in order to pop those yeah. babies out of there, it's got to overcome that rare earth magnet. So that's yeah. a good good note for how crisp the ejection needs to be. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would argue that it is a reason to go buy another shotgun. You need a CC all-terrain shotgun. Oh boy, yeah. Well, we can talk about we can talk about that. We'll have to figure out. How, Sounds like reason enough. To if me. I if I if I come out to meet you and I bring bring gun cases, multiples that I tell my wife are full, and then come back with them actually full, maybe we'll get away with that. Well, I guess it's probably my turn. Well, yeah, yeah, Zach. I want to know. You know, you're the CZ guy. Where did where did these things turn out? I mean, you could have built. You can build anything. You just got a custom Bob White. Not well, and that this was the I, whole I think, this was the whole like prompting for me actually ordering a custom. So, all right. um, once we saw what all they could do, so even on like the Bob White that's seven hundred bucks and the Drake that's a similar price, uh, it's an over under that's a similar price. That the the engraving on here, I have to. I have to tell people all the time on social media and YouTube and wherever they all think it's it's like rolled engraving. It's like no. There's a guy with a hammer and a chisel, and he is making even on the even on the cheap like the most affordable gun we make, 
There no are guys kidding. that are making, like they're putting that hand engraves. Uh, it may not be a ton of engraving, but they're doing it all by hand. So the only thing on it that's not done by hand is the name on the bottom because we need to make sure that it's deep enough for the ATF to be happy. Otherwise, yep. that would be done by hand too. So, you know, that, I was, that's one I was of the things surprised. that kind of opened my eyes. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't expect to see eight eight dudes, whatever it was, six, eight guys, you know, um, in there tapping away. Uh, it was, it's... I love engra- I love engraving. I just love the idea of hand engraving, just the concept and principle of it. Just I, I really enjoy just all of that. And to like walk into a place where you don't expect that and to see it, you're like, Oh jeez, like look at this. You know, and it the guys are there and they're doing it. And then, you know, to get into the minutiae of detail, which is something that I love, is not only are they also not only are they hand engraving it? They have the guys set up with their stations, and each guy has his own particular station, and they're engraving different styles of engraving as they're engraving. Because really? some guys are standing, working around their vice, which they clearly are choosing to do, and other guys are using the uh, ball vice with the you know where they can spin the they actually spin the vice itself, and they're sitting in chairs over top of it. So it's cool that they not only are they doing it, but they're letting the the guys that are doing it do it the way they want to do it which is not a production thing that's just not so so yeah because they'd be like oh well you have to do it a uh-huh. way or b way or you can't do it but just not what's happening there so i gotta ask a question about economy of scales here so you, you said there's eight engravers how many guns are those guys engraving in a no, day they the not just those guys but the guys that are there and i mean i'm i'm sure this is just had to do with the work ethic and everything else but they're hustling they are moving everybody is moving so the, so the project up, uh, let me clarify here. I need help. The literal project upland lettering, which is our real font. That's got to be laser. <laughs> that's laser. Yeah. That's laser. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's, you can t- and you can tell by looking so at it. You, I mean, I'm. I was yeah. going to say, I was like, man, if you, oh, man. If you pick it up and you it's, look at like perfect. the, if you look at the names and like the, yeah. the serial numbers and stuff, that's very obviously machine done if you okay. if you then you look right. at the you look at the scroll which is what what these guys are doing is a, is a modified scroll. right you look at the scroll if you look at it you'll notice that it's not perfect which if you pick up a gun that is laser engraved it is perfect and this is this mm-hmm. shows although although not necessarily easily visible it is imperfect in the fact that it's done by a human and it's not done by a laser or not done by a machine so Right. I think the engraving on these guns, the community got right as well. That was one thing where I know from when Zach and I did the first interview, he and I both, we walked through and we did the survey and he and I both selected a higher level engraving in hindsight, you know, knowing like where the price ultimately came in, like that would have, that would have put the gun at a, at a price point that I think I, I I'm happy with where it came out and like the engraving is minimalistic. You You could say that. And it's, it's right. The community nailed that one. Yeah, it's one step up. Devoted minimalistic. It's one step up from the base. So it's it's essentially yeah. what we put on the sharp tail and what we put on the red okay. hat. So and yeah. I, my change would be I would go with some of that incredible engraving. It would be hard at the production level to do that intense engraving like so I ended up it it prompted me to order one. So I ended up ordering a very similar shotgun to this with a lot more engraving. Um, yeah. and even at my employee price, it was a lot more money than this gun. <laughs> so F- funny how that hand work just, you know, I don't, yeah. it doesn't yeah, matter for where some it, reason it's expensive. That's yeah, it doesn't weird. matter where it happens. There's still a cost to it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the question that everybody wants to know, Zach, I've been getting 
Instagram direct messages and Facebook messages because I've been teasing it lately. When I do my podcast intros and I talk about CZ, I've been hinting at, at this. When can people... Well, I'll just let you take it from here because when this episode comes out, we've got some considerations there, but when can people get their hands on these things? Yeah, so this, this episode is probably going to come out early to mid-April. We don't know exactly yeah. when, but at the time it comes out, there should be a prototype set. So when when you're in the new car Unless development process, they might be gone by then. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so when, when we do this process, we have to order several sets. And so one medium-sized set, not 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 a ton of guns, but a, one medium-sized set was, was ordered in error with lighter colored wood. So it has zero stain in the finish, which shows the, the figure in the wood a lot better. Um, but we wanted just a touch of stain in the finish just to make them, especially with that color case, just to, to not contrast as much. And yeah. so there will be one set that doesn't carry the normal skew that will be going out, and it'll be at uh, one of our dealers. So it's going to be at Sportsman's Supply Company at a Butler, yeah, Butler PA. So if okay. if you hit them up. They do a lot of online sales. They're one of our, our very good dealers. Um, so they're going to get this early set. So if you want to be in on it early, if you want to get one of those that has light wood, it's not yep. terribly light compared to the standard gun. It's just, it doesn't have any stain in it. So yeah, AJ's it, gun has, is one of those guns that doesn't have the stain, but AJ's gun has like this beautiful. crazy yeah. mineral streaking in it. Yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah. It's an absolutely like when, when those guys unwrapped that gun in the gun shop, it was just like everybody that worked there just crowded around <laughs> it and they were like, man, that is some really pretty wood in that gun. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what is that thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, Joel hasn't seen his yet either. I think his is one of the light wood guns too. Um, yeah. but yeah, well, they'll, they'll be there and there. I have a feeling they're going to sell through really fast. They might sell through before this podcast comes out. I, I hope not. And as far as you told me, there's that first set is 40 or so guns. Yeah. There and should be about side around 40 guns. Uh, so yeah. it's not a big set. It's, it's basically just, yeah. it was a set for us to basically do a validation and make sure all the details were correct. Um, and so we got a very small sample set that had the darker wood and a slightly bigger sample set that had lighter wood. So, so those are going to get released early. They're going to be out there. If you want to get them before anybody else, those are the ones to get. Um, yep. and then everybody else is going to have to wait till summer. Um, at some point this summer, we will get the first big set, uh, of these guns. And so, um, with both of these guns, so we have, you know, the side by side and the over under, we're doing them in 12, 20 and 28 in both styles. Yep. <sighs> I can't tell you exactly when in summer we have a tentative date and especially, okay. especially in pandemic times, you can never trust those dates. So it might move up. Right. It might move back. We're, we're hoping summer. So, so yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach question for you. I know when we first talked about it, kind of like how somebody buys one. So is this something that if I show up to my local gun shop, I'm going to be able to pull one off the rack, or is this something that I have to be request? Like, how, how does how does the process of buying one of these actually work? So uh, we don't do direct to customer sales. That's something that uh, some companies do. We kind of work on a distributor dealer model. Um, so we have a, a series of authorized dealers around the U.S. And we also have CZ USA field sports dealers that are specifically about our shotguns. Um, so if you wanted to get one of these, um, give a call to one of our authorized dealers. We have a dealer locator on okay. our website. You can sort them by just the field sports dealers or whatever. 
you find the dealer near you or find a dealer that you want to work with, uh, call them, place an order with them, and they can put an order in with us. So it's a little bit, you kind of got to jump through a couple hoops, but uh, any CZUSA authorized dealer, especially when this podcast comes out, because the SKU will be public, the price list that they're looking at will be available to them. They should be able to place an order with us for these guns. So getting a pre-order in is what I would recommend. And these, these are going to be on the website too yep. anyways. Like if I hop on CZ's website, I'm going to be able to find this model. Yep. So when, when this podcast goes live, we're going to have the, the web, the, uh, uh, product pages for both of these guns up. They're going to have SKUs. They'll have prices. They'll have product photos. And then also probably a handful of, uh, beauty shots too. So you can kind of see them in different light, uh, see what the wood looks like, cool. see the engraving. So, yeah. All right. Good to know. Yeah. So, so when folks hear this, they're, May or may not be some guns remaining at that. Name me the dealer again, Zach. Uh, it is Sportsman Supply Co. I think you can find them at sportsmansupplyco.com. All right. I will do my best to grab that their website and or the direct link to these guns just in case there are some of those still available when folks hear this, when this podcast goes out. If those guns are gone and somebody wants one, they can go to the cz-usa.com website, look up the dealer locator, find their CZ dealer, and they will be able to contact their dealer, put in an order for one for the yep. next shipment that will be coming hopefully summer 2021. Yeah, we should get we should get a good shipment with all different gauges and and both styles on a shipment this summer, and they they should roll through um, you know it, kind of the production process. They'll they'll be through the production process, so we'll probably get shipments every couple months. So, okay, well that's pretty much what we wanted to cover. That is the Project Upland CZ USA crowdsource shotgun. I am very excited to finally see these guns coming to fruition and even more excited to see the guns make it into the hands of the Project Upland podcast listeners, the Project Upland community, the people that are interested in these guns. And man, I can't wait to see some pictures from next fall of these guns in the field. How about you, Zach? Oh man, I I can't wait to use them. Especially, uh, I don't yeah. have a twenty eight, and I really want to pick up a, a twenty eight side by side. So yeah. that's that's how. I'm so gonna... you took my twenty. <laughs> well, I had to talk you out of. Well, no, I talked you. You took my twenty eight. That's what it was. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this was your twenty. The, this the was twenty, your 20 that, that you have, you Zach. To have. That piece of wood on there is nice. This was the one you were supposed to have, AJ. <laughs> that's all a right, good one, right. man. I'm, I'm, I, you know I what? I think you're pretty happy with I the one you have. I, I am. <laughs> when I shouldered that gun today, I told, I actually made a comment to you of two competing 28 gauges that I was shooting this year. And I'm going to not say the names of either of those companies for the sake of this being a CZ centric topic, but they are very high end premium brands. And I instantly said to you, well, one of them, I was a little disappointed about the length of barrels I have on it, which I think has been one of my issues. But the other one, I was like, I shouldered that gun and it pretty much felt the same. <laughs> and the price tag is a lot different. <laughs> so, um, so that was that was pretty cool. So, thank you for for talking me into the twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> AJ, any any final thoughts on uh, finally seeing this gun or the project in general? I mean, if you would have asked me five years ago. I would be holding a shotgun from CZ with the Project Upland logo on it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Just all of this is is always very surreal. I have a lot of good memories over CZs. Shot in a lot of birds over my dog with with the CZ, with the sharp tail in particular. And when I did that film first season, 
the whole end of that film, I'm shooting a, a CZ sharp tail and, and I did really well with that gun. I was really happy with that gun. Um, just had had two triggers, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, um, it's just really exciting because, you know, we've had a really close relationship with the, with the folks at CZ. Yeah. It feels like family these days and, um, to have that product now in hands and see that collaboration and the opportunity. I mean, I'm just, I'm truly humbled and super stoked that our community could be just so engaged in it and we could crowdsource a really cool gun. And I'm really happy that our, uh, we didn't have to protect our audience from itself yeah. <laughs> on uh, choosing a bad gun. So um, I think everybody did a, a, across the board, the audience, CZ, the, the staff at Project Upland, a lot of went into coordinating it. Jennifer Wapinski, yeah. I know we mentioned her yeah. earlier. She put a lot of work into this project. She did. Jason, who's uh, one of our web developers, yep. um, put a lot of work into this project as well. And, and I'm just really happy with uh, the whole team and how everybody pulled it over. And, and really, even you guys went to a second round of questioning. And I mean, you guys just put it put it right over the finish line. So, so thank you to everybody involved in this. And when I crank that thing in the skeet range soon, I'll be thinking of all that. Yeah. Joel, final thoughts, man? Well, I was just going to say I I don't have my hands on the yeah. one the one that I'm <laughs> that I'm eagerly awaiting for soon for other reasons, but um, when I get my hands on it, I'm actually uh, hopefully this will air. You said this is going to air sometime in April. Yeah, and, early April. So yeah. anybody who catches this in early April and who will be at the Southern Side by Side in North Carolina, which is a pretty big event for us on the East Coast, if you're down at the Southern, I will be there and cool. I will have this gun. So if you want to come find me and check it out, you're welcome to check it out, shoot it, see it, whatever. You know, so uh, that's that's kind of my final thought is I, I'm excited because that's going to be the first time that I get to use it. I'm sure I'll be shooting it in the 28 gauge side by side. You know the dates of the Southern side by side off uh, the top of your head? 22 to 25. I want to say April, it's like thir- April. Yeah, April yeah. 22 to April okay. 25. Thursday through Sunday. Main events on Sunday. Thursday's like. The more obscure, like hammer, black powder type fun stuff, and then you know the there's a there's a bunch of other events. Good sponsors, good time. Um, yeah, if you if you happen to be there, I'll uh, would love to talk to you there. But um, yeah, I, I'm just excited to to get my hands on the gun and um, and bring it down there and shoot it. And I think it's a, just overall my in, impressions of the project is is a heck of a fun project to do to see what the community really is looking for. And I am thrilled to have been a part of it to get to visit Hulu and to see that factory. And again, like I said before, just be reminded what kind of handwork and what kind of CNC work and what kind of labor and what kind of organization and and community of people it takes to actually bring off any gun, let alone a gun that is, you know, something like this that, you know, it's unique, it's interesting, and boy, I, I, I really can't understate or i can't like overstate sorry i can't overstate the amount of how, how much it impresses me every time i get to see it and um you know cz uh, hulu was was certainly no exception to that very cool zach man your project yeah it's probably one of my crowning moments at cz it's uh i don't it'd be hard to top this awesome man, man a few words huh i you know yeah I, i'm just happy that we were able to make it work yeah I, it's you know it was a crazy idea. And, and well, thanks wow, for humoring it happened. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for humoring us. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Honestly, the, the, this project in general is, 
more validation for what we've been doing. Obviously, we've been working towards the base model of these guns for years. And we've basically, we, we know what we think people want. And this is basically, it tells us we're doing everything right. Because when the community wanted just a night, uh, you know, they wanted something special around Project Upland, they basically took our base gun and just made it a little nicer, which is, that that's validation that just makes makes all the years of work and all the all the the blood sweat and tears and you know the our shotgun product manager and and the team that's that's at CZ that works so hard on this stuff um it really just kind of it's a validation that um you know I just didn't expect yeah you guys were uh, it, it makes you, you guys feel really were good. not very far off from from what ultimately got no. designed and that definitely speaks to CZ USA yeah yep yep no, nope, it's been wonderful. So awesome, man. Well, I will, I will echo what what those three guys say and just kind of reiterate how awesome I think it was that the community. I mean, we had thousands, thousands of people wrote in, designed these guns, built these guns. This wasn't you know five or six people. This was thousands of people that put in their inspirations and desires in into building these guns, and uh, they're going to be on store shelves and available for people to check out very soon and use to take into the field into the uplands which i just like joel i cannot overstate how excited i am to see this thing come to life and to in- inevitably see these guns find their way into people's trucks and out of the field it's very cool so thank you to zach thank you to everybody at cz usa for making this possible thank you to the project upland community these are your guns can we say that aj absolutely <laughs> these are your guns clever clever That does it for this episode of the Project Open Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. That does it for this episode of the show. A quick reminder that the Project Upland Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Sporting Dog, CZ USA, Garmin, Sage and Breaker, and Dakota 283. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe or follow the show in your podcast app. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.